Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. And today we will be talking a bit about international baseball players, uh, their countries of origins, the leagues they play in, kind of just to get a feel for uh, where else baseball is played and the people that represent those leagues, as well as Specifically, the recent contract extension signed by Ozzy Albies of the Atlanta Braves, but also a little bit of contract extensions from around the MLB um, as of late and kind of how it's changed the market recently. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. Uh, Before we get started, here is an ad from our, our friends over at Sports Trebuchet. Do you like to talk about sports? Do you like podcasts? Do you like talking about professional wrestling? Do you like medieval weaponry? Then check us out at Sports Trebuchet on Twitter or listen to us, Sports Trebuchet on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. All right, we're back. Let's get rolling in on the topic. So, Corwin, you took the NPB, right? Yes. All right, give me... Give me uh, what you got? What'd you come up with for the to, for the M- M- NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League? So basically, I just went on and looked up who the hell won the most MVPs in MPB history. Because there's so many Japanese players who never end up coming over to the MLB. It's not something I've ever kept tabs on or followed in any way. So I figured, why not check, see who's won the most MVPs um, and hopefully we'll cut out any guys who ended up being super huge MLB stars, which I did have to cut out Ichiro Suzuki and Hideki Matsui for obvious reasons. They are somewhat well-known in the United States. So just went with solely NPB players. And leading it off is someone that Josh talked about in the last episode, Sadaharu O. Oh who won nine MVPs in 1964, um, yeah, he was um he was the inspiration for why I thought this might be a little fun little thing to do. And funny enough, uh, Matt and I got together the other night and we watched this um, baseball movie from the 90s starring Tom Selleck called Mr. Baseball. Have you ever seen it or heard of it? Uh, I've only heard it from you talking about it. Okay, so it's it's uh it's an interesting movie. It's not horribly good, but if you like baseball and Tom Selleck's mustache, it's fun. Uh, but what's funny is that it's like one of the characters in the movie is like loosely based on Sada Haru O. And I was just, I'm watching it, I'm like, this is fucking hysterical. Like, I just started getting into like who the fuck this dude is. And they're talking about how like, this is the guy that like won a bunch of MVPs. He like holds the home run record. He's now a player manager who who like didn't want to see his home run record broken. And Sadaharu O oh actually became a manager of of a MPB team, I believe, and had a player who was threatening to break one of his home run records and started benching him so he wouldn't. Like so it was funny. I just saw like a Sadaharu O oh parallel in this mm-hmm. 
relatively specific or like like niche or forgotten movie from the nineties and uh it felt like it felt like this whole week has just been this weird vortex surrounding Sadaharu O and Asian baseball. So yeah. Sorry. Uh what what else you got for for the MPB? So I just figured I'd give some of Sadaharu O's career statistics with you because oh, go for why it. not? That's what we're here to talk about. Fuck yeah. Um, he played for 22 seasons from 1959 to 1980 in the Japanese Central League for the Yamahuri Giants in Tokyo. He played in 2,831 games, uh, roughly 2,800 hits, 868 home runs, which is the most all-time in any level of baseball, which we talked about previously. Uh, 2,200 RBI, 84 stolen bases, almost 2,400 walks, only 1,300 strikeouts, bat 301 for his career, had an OPS of 1,080. Yeah, this guy was really fucking good. Not to mention he had nine all-star MVP, well, not all-star MVPs, MVPs in this league. Plus his name is awesome. It's so much fun to say. It's such a good name. It's such a great name. That's the name of a great baseball player. He's also managed for 19 seasons and has yeah, a that, career win record of 550, which is That's tremendous. what I was saying. Like like he was managing a player who was like the story goes like he was like threatening to break not like the big home run record but like one of his home run records cuz I think he held record for like, you know, most home runs ever but also like most consecutive games with a home run or something and like he had he like literally benched a player so that he wouldn't break his own home run record and I'm like that's a level of pettiness I absolutely support. <laughs> so yeah, right on. So Any other? Next, uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I figured I'd just go over the top guys. Um, that's what I was gonna ask. Perfect. Yep. So next in our list of most MVP awards is Shidego Nagashimi, who has five Nippon MVP awards who just happened to win them in the same division as Sadaharu O. In wow. each of the years where he didn't win the award, from 1961 to 1971. So for 11 years, only two people had won an MVP award in the MPCL. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's not like he's putting up any uh, stats that put um, the other guy to shame. I just forgot his fucking name. Sadahari, oh, fuck. So, in Shiego Nagashimi's career, he bat 305 with 444 home runs, 2,471 hits, 1,500 RBI, a winning percentage of 522. Played for the Yaman... Ner- Yam- oh, fuck. Yamiuri? Yamiuri Giants from 1958 to 1974. And so wait, he them. was Sadaharo's teammate? Yeah. Wow. What? So not only did these two, did only two dudes win the MVP for 11 years, two dudes on the same team? Yeah. Fuck, that's crazy. I did not know that. That's awesome. He also managed this team from 75 to 80 and from 93 to 2001. That's As so a player, cool. he won 11 Japanese Series championships, won three as a manager, 
Rookie of the Year, four-time Japanese Series MVP. Who do you think would be his uh, his major league equivalent? Um, Joe Torre, maybe. Uh, I don't think. I mean, Joe Torre doesn't have the player MVPs, but he has like all the world. Ah, but only the World Series success so, like, as a manager. Player wise, I would say he was like a Lou Gehrig type deal, kind of like world class all time player in the shadow of see that. the greatest of all time. As that a manager, sense. I don't think anyone relates. That's it's not tough. like Lou Gehrig won, you know, three championships as a manager. Yeah, I mean that. I guess Tory does fit the bill, though, for the managing aspect. A really good former player. Oh, but although, I mean, his his managerial success is far out. Or far outpasses his playing success. Although, have you ever looked at Joe Torre's playing stats? No. They're, like, really fucking good. Joe Torre won an MVP. I did know that, but I don't know any of the specifics, and I feel like I'd be absolutely blown away if I looked at them. I mean, like, I think the only reason I was so surprised about it is that you never hear about Joe Torre's playing career. No. It's, it's only Joe manager Torre's managing Yankees. career. Yeah. So, like, when I saw it, I was like, whoa, these are, like, actually very good. Because, like, you look at a lot of, like, former managers, like, today's stats, like Kevin Cash's stats or, like, Joe Torre's stats or whatever. And they're like, yeah, they were ball players, But Joe Torre was, like, a good ball player. Like, he was really fucking MVP. What an MVP. That's a shortstop. That's not something that just happens, you know. Yeah. At no point in baseball's history does, do you just, like, fall ass backwards into an MVP. Well, Rick Porcello kind of did it uh, with a... Um, he actually did do it with a Cy Young, yeah. Because, Cy Young, uh, yeah. And you know he didn't get the most first place votes for that either? Really? Yeah, Justin Verlander did. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. That's yeah, because I think, I think there was a split vote between Verlander and like... Or like someone split the second place votes. Or some... Sh- it was a weird like vote split where like Verlander was the clear number one, but there wasn't mm-hmm. like there wasn't enough votes going to the other places. So like everyone gave a first place vote to like Verlander and then all like the second place votes went to Rick Porcello. And so he just like cleaned house on the points of the second and third place votes and just fell ass backwards into a Cy Young. It's the worst. It drives me nuts every time. Fuck the Red Sox. Right. (laughs) Fuck the Red Sox. Oh, um, actual an actual question. When yes, do you, if you can find it offhand, when was the MPB founded? Ooh, that's good to know. I don't know. Yeah. I need to look that up. It's because it's got to be post World War II, but I also feel like it was like immediately post World War II because I'm uh, rather certain there's like I've seen stats for Japanese players like from the fifties. Like I feel like that's a thing. All when right, did, give me one guess. Of, what year was founded? Yep. I can, I'm going to commit to the post-World War II thing, so I'm going to say 1948. So close. 1950 in Tokyo, Japan. Oh! Oh, wow. I was really close. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with myself. I want to jerk I'm myself off real hard for this. Yeah. Um, I don't doubt that. All right, so man, that was, was cool. While I was looking up these, the comparison of these two, I looked back at some more of Sadahara O's uh, highlights of like his career. 
He was a two-time triple, two-time triple crown winner in '73, '74, and won the grand prize three times. He also has the Japanese record for OPS at 1.079 and RBI. So that's all I got on him. Hold on one second. I want to look something up. Okay, what did you say his OPS was? 1.079. That actually puts him tied with Lou Gehrig for third all-time. That's really fucking impressive. Yeah, right behind Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. And, like, uh, uh, um, uh, Lou Gehrig's is legit. Oh, I just lost it. Where'd it go? There it is. 1.0798. So there's there's a fourth post-decimal place uh, digit there. But yeah, so he, he had a better slugging. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Three is enough. But he has a better lifetime slugging than Barry Bonds in a different league. But like, still to be above Barry Bonds in anything in any league anywhere is kind right. of impressive. So that's cool. And you were pretty fucking spot on with your Lou Gehrig comp. Ayo, I do what I can. And you, you yeah, and you do it okay. I do it very much okay. But. So, the, one of the ones I took was the Korean Baseball Organization, the KBO. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't actually tally who has the most. Let's see who has the most um, MVP awards. It looks like it's Lee Sung Yup with five from the Samsung okay. Lions. Yeah, he's an he's an infielder. Tell me more about his. He was career. a first baseman. He was a first baseman. Sure. You want to know how Hold I know? On. Um, he had a lifetime batting average of three hundred two. He has four hundred sixty seven home runs, uh, fourteen hundred ninety eight RBIs, twenty one hundred fifty six hits, four hundred sixty four doubles. He also played in the MPB with a batting average of two fifty seven, one hundred fifty nine home runs, four hundred thirty nine RBIs. 686 hits with 138 doubles. Uh, and he played for the Amira Giants. Look at that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, five-time KBO MVP, uh, 10-time KBO Gold Glove Award, four-time Korean Series champion. Uh, he won an he won an All-World Baseball Classic uh, in 2006. He was a Korean Series MVP, and he was a two-time Japanese Series champion, which is pretty fucking impressive. He has also... Yeah. Uh, an Olympic gold medal and an Olympic bronze medal, which is, this is a fucking great career here, man. Damn. Damn, that's really cool. I was, like, looking into him a little bit before we started today because, like he said, he played in the Japanese uh, professional league for a while, so I was looking into him um, because it always listed him as being one of the best. He had a wild career. He was so fucking good. Like, basically, everyone said he was, like, unanimously the best Korean player of all time. Yeah. At, well, he hit his 300th home run at age 26. That's so damn impressive. He used to hold, I'm not sure who who holds it now, the um, Asian home run record of 56 home runs in one season when he was playing with the Samsung uh, Lions in uh, 2003. 56 home runs in a season. Especially, and one of the things I think needs to be highlighted when we're talking about Asian baseball is that it's not a home run league. 
any of the leagues, I should say, are not home run leagues. Like, if you watch MPB or KBO highlight reels, it's like watching 1920s baseball in America because people are, like, trying to hit the ball on the ground, trying to leg out infield singles, slapping the ball wherever they can. It's not, like... It's just it's just not a home run lift the ball in the air kind of kind of style of play. So to see a dude hit this many home runs is like really fucking uncommon and very cool. And that's not the shit talk either um, Asian baseball because watching it um, is incredibly fun because of how oh, yeah. vastly different it is from what you see in the MLB. Neither is bad, but having both be such diametric opposites while being the same sport is a lot of fun. It's definitely one of those things where it, it definitely feels like it's a completely different sport when you watch it. Just because like the atmosphere is different. It looks so different with all the uniforms and fields. Um, and just the style is... They're just so slap happy. Everyone plays like they're trying to be Ichiro Suzuki. And can you blame them? I'm, I mean, no. I mean, really, the dude's just the best. No one's got more swag than tries to play like Mike Mike Trout now. Bryce Harper, Aaron Judges, you know. They're the cool guys. So there are five uh, Korean baseball players currently in the MLB. Only five. Can Um, you name them? Shinsu Chu. Shinsu Chu. What team is he on? Just as a guess. Uh, Shinsu Chu. Cardinals. No, he's on the Rangers. Yeah, Texas yeah, Texas Rangers. Rangers. So that's um, one. Fuck. Uh, the Cardinals' longtime closer. Um, fuck. What's his name? Uh, if by long time you o? mean two seasons, but yeah, saying one out. But he's old, so it feels like he was there forever. <laughs> yeah, he was the saves leader. Um, he probably still is the all-time saves yeah, leader I in doubt. Japan. I doubt anyone's broken that shit. Huh? So yeah, Sang Won Oh, Shinsu Chu, uh, Eric Thames, of course, famously, uh, <laughs> uh, big Korean. He guy. does not count, but but yes, uh, I, I I do uh, love the uh, the acknowledgement of him because he's great. Man, I don't know who else. Give me a hint. I'll on spot one of you. Them. I'll spot you one. Hunjin okay. Ryu of the Dodgers. Okay. Their opening day starter this season. Gotcha. You're missing one I'm on the Pirates. Right now. Oh. Our fucking asshole, um, Jung Ho Kang. Jung Ho Kang. Um, because he yeah. has like six DUIs in Korea. Um, One more. He plays for the Tampa Bay Rays. Former New York Tampa Yankee. Bay Rays. Ooh. Um, is he a pitcher? He's not a pitcher. He's a first baseman. First baseman for the Yankees that played is from Korea. Huh. I don't know. G-Man Choi. Oh, uh, okay. G-Man Choi. So those are the only five um, current, like, active ML- Korean MLB players. Even looking at the list of retired players, it's uh, it's not very long, you know? No. Uh, there's not a ton of dudes. Granted, the the league is young. When do, when do you think the, um, the KBO was founded, if you had to guess? 1963. Um, 1982. Wow. Yeah, no, it's very recent. It is. I was hoping it would be like yours and be like just a couple years after the end of Korea, stuff like that. 
Well, that, that's actually why I asked you when the MPB was founded, because I had an mm -hmm. idea of when it was founded, but I wasn't sure if it was right, because I had an idea of when the KBO was founded, and I, too, was way off. Yeah, so much sooner yeah, so, than more recent, I mean. Yeah, it's very, and I think that's probably why, uh, you know, that is definitely why. There's just not a, as many, mm -hmm. there's deep a history of Korean baseball players in, uh, in, in, in the MLB. And, like, I know a few of these, like, former names like i know who chan ho park is he was uh he was on the dodgers and I, I, I knew that one um i knew i know dai sung ku um because he was on the mets i um i'm just trying to see what are the, some of these other names uh i i don't know a lot of them yeah i know that it's the yankees had the taiwanese pitcher smaller league than chen min wong the mpb oh definitely definitely uh I'm trying to think that there's um, it's tough because there's not a lot of names that are recognizable like there would be with the uh, with the MPB because so few come over. Um, Sangwon Oh is the leader uh, in in saves. He has 277 of them uh, in the KBO. They it's funny because they list him as still being an active player, which I mean <laughs> he is kind just of. not for them. Uh, there is like an active player though that's kind of like directly behind him, Sun Song. Yak or lock. I'm not sure if that's a lowercase L or an uppercase I because who can say? I'm gonna go with Sung Lock, um, who is 37 and looks like he's still playing for the Lot Giants. So he has a chance of breaking Sung One O's. Sorry, Oh no, I was right. Sung One O. They just put it all backwards. Um, they does have a decent shot of breaking his saves record. He's only 15 behind, so that could be that could be broken. Um, How many years did uh, someone play in uh, Korea? Let me pull up his page so I can give you that answer as I'm stalling for my laptop to find out. Uh, he played with the Samsung Lions from 2005 to 2013, then the Hanshin Tigers for 2014 to 15 for a 10- or 11-year career, if you count 2015 and 2015, 25 and 2015 as, as seasons. So he's been playing hmm. professional baseball since 2005 and played the first 11 seasons of his career in the KBO. It seems like he's been playing for longer. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, the Hanshin Tigers is the MPB. That's on the KBO. So he was in the yes. KBO for eight seasons. Wow. That actually makes the 277 saves really fucking Super impressive. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's average out, too. Um, that's what, like 30 a season? 30, 33 a season? I'm pulling up my calculator right now. So it's 277 divided by 8, 34.6 saves per season. Um, and I don't know offhand how many games there are in, an, in a KBO season, but I'm very certain it's going to be less than 162. And I'm sure he wasn't closing his entire career. No, I'm sure he had to have tried starting at some point. Right. But, yeah, he was a seven-time KBO All-Star, five-time KBO Relief Man Award, which I think is a hysterical name. Uh, he was KBO Rookie of the Year. Year, He won five Korean Series champions. He was the two-time Korean Series MVP. Um, he was an MPB All-Star. He was the, the CLCS, which is the Climax Series, um, which is what I guess Japan calls their... Um, Central two teams from the Central League and Pacific League to see who will compete to go into the Japanese series final. So he was that MVP and the two-time MPB saves leader. 
for the only two seasons he was there, he was led the league in saves. That's hysterical. Not too shabby. Yeah, you know what? It makes me sad that like we didn't get to see in in the MLB a younger Sangwon Oh because he's not old. Old. I think he's thirty seven now. I just turned. I just put turned his page away. Um, okay, let me go back to it. Thirty six. He's thirty six, and he's still good. Like he is far from a bad pitcher. Far from a bad pitcher. But we're definitely getting the decline phase of Sangwon Oh, and I really wish we got like peak. Saying one out. Yeah, like he had a, such a tremendous rookie season in the MLB and just kind of fell apart after that. I mean, you know, it pitching is volatile in general and he was getting older and the MLB is more competitive. Uh, so there's there's reasons for it. I'm willing to bet if he came over when he was younger, he would have had a really fucking nice career. It's just that we oh, got yeah. him, we got him in his age 31 season, right? Mm-hmm. Which is usually what's considered the beginning of the decline period. So, but I think I think he could have been a really cool cool guy to watch in the MLB if he got to come over when he was a bit younger, but. Fuck it. I'll I take agree. I'll take as much Sangwano as we can get, man. I like him. Um, yeah, I agree. I like him a lot. I wish he was better. That's all I gotta say about him. Uh real quick, it looks like just from glancing that pitchers f- are not the main holders of the MVPs of the KBO. It looks like it's actually infielders, which I thought was interesting. Well, I mean, we were just talking about how uh, it was a lot more slap happy. Wouldn't be a surprise if it was also, you know, led to an increase in play by infielders. That's actually a really, really good thought. Oh, Eric Thames is on this list. Look at that. There he is. <laughs> NC Dinos. So, yeah, that that's that's I think those are some some of the big names on here. I'm trying to see if there's anyone that comes up multiple times. Uh Kim Sung Han for the Haiti or High Thai Tigers, Jesus. Um, he has multiple MVP wins. Uh, Chang Jun Hoon for the Bing Great Eagles has two MVP wins. Park Byung Ho or Byung Ho Park, these are all last name, first name. Uh, for the Next End Heroes uh, has as as two, and then Sun Dong Yol for the high tie tigers also has three wins and he's a pitcher. He's the only pitcher that has multiple MVP wins, uh, 86, 89 and 90. So yeah, I'd say those are some of the, the, the key names. I know the KBO is a rapidly growing league and people have been considered it to be one of the most, um, exciting of the, of the younger, um, non MLB leagues. So I, I really hope we see more players come over from there. Because uh, I like when players come from all over the place to be in the MLB. I think that's one of the reasons MLB is fun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What did so you got that for? Uh, huh? What's up? No. What's up? Oh, what did you say? I thought I cut you off. I was gonna say, how does that lead into your next league? But I think you were. I was about to ask on. you about your next league. <laughs> I couldn't find much on uh, Chinese baseball league. They don't have anything really posted on um, baseball reference. Um, yeah, neither does the KBO. I did all of those off of Wikipedia pages. 
Well, look at you. Um, basically, all I got off of Wikipedia and um, Google was baseball players from China who are just really good in the MLB and Sadaharu Oh, who also happened to be part Chinese. So they've just kind of adopted him as being their guy. I um, can't blame them. Yeah. Well, are there any other names on the list that we would recognize, really? Um, not really. Um, the, uh, fuck, I already deleted his page, but, uh, we from Miami, we in, oh, Wei in Chen, Wei in Chen. Yeah. He was really the oh, only I didn't know he was Chinese. guy. Yeah. He's the only real current player that's from China. Oh, okay. But, uh, after Sadaharu Oh. There is Wee Wang, which is a tremendous name, who doesn't have any information on Wikipedia, and as far as I know, doesn't quite have a Wikipedia page. Let me just do some quick research to see if I can yeah, dig sure. deeper. Um, all right, this is a real weird website. Da 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 da. All right, here's some real shit. <laughs> this is from one. <laughs> so after I couldn't find any other Ch Chinese players on baseball reference, I stopped looking. But I tried one more time for Wee Wang just to see. He has a four-game uh, sample size from playing for Team China in the Arizona Fall League. Really? Where he had 12 plate appearances... Did not record a single hit. Oh. Struck out three times and walked once for a batting average of zero and an OPS of 167. Oh, that's so sad. He had one sack fly and a hit by pitch as well. Oh, buddy. This was in 2007 during his year or his age 28 season. Uh, okay. Oh, here we go. Bleacher Report coming in. Actually, no, this is Baseball Reference. What the fuck is this? It's like a Wikipedia page on Baseball Reference. It doesn't have any stats. It's just like paragraph of text. I do not know. Um. All right. I'm just going to wing it. Um, he played from the for the Beijing Tigers in 2002 all the way up to 2015. Um, his rookie year, he hit for 308, 357, 385. Um, he was a catcher, batted 444, 500, and 1.1111 in the college championship in China. This is a, such a weird... Uh, fuck this. Like, this is useless. We can just move on. Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, this Maybe is... China. A, Give us information. It, it's those restrictive, restrictive internet services over there. They uh, yeah. they really got it locked down when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to baseball scorekeeping. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, part of the, part of the reason I wanted to do this... Um, when, when, and I brought up the idea to Corbin was that it would be like seemed like a fun opportunity for us to do two well-known leagues where we you know he mm -hmm. took the MPB and I took the KBO and then we, also I just picked 
two other random leagues that I didn't know much of anything about. So Corwin got the Chinese Professional Baseball League, I think is what it's called. And I took the Dominican League, um, which I know is popular during the winter. You get a lot of, like, MLB prospects and minor leaguers who go down there to get, like, off-season reps and, you know, at-bats and plate appearances and um, innings if you're a pitcher and all this kind of stuff. So I wanted to see, like, what it was about and if it was, like, you know, what the year-round kind of situation looks like. So Mm -hmm. the Dominican Professional Baseball League was founded in 1951, and there's only six teams, which at first threw me off, but then I remembered that the DR is not that big and it like relative to the u.s and so that makes a lot of sense that only be six teams mm-hmm. um seeing as the population of the dominican republic is i just lost it i just had it where to go oh um 10.7 million people which is you know a good 300 million less than the u.s so yeah they don't need 30 teams so I know we're a statistics podcast, but um, do you think we need to clarify just how much smaller that is than the U.S.? Or do you think these guys have a good? That's idea? only two million more people than New York City, not New York State. <laughs> New York City. New York City. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, the DR is not like imagine if New York had six teams. And congrats, you've now pictured the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Honestly, six New York teams probably wouldn't be that bad of a league. No. No, yeah, I, 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 I would take the... Well, yeah, we'll move on. I want to say these names, though, because these names for these teams are wonderful, and I want to try to say them as, as horribly as I can. Well, I want to try okay. to say them right, but they're going to end up coming out horribly. They are the uh, um, Aguilas Cabeñas, um, the Estrellas Orientales, which sounds Asian, and I don't know why it's like Orientals in, is in there. That sounds wrong. Uh, the Gigantes de Cibeo, the Leones del Escogido, <laughs> the Tigres de Lisi, and the Toros del Este. <laughs> oh, that was Jesus fun for me. Christ. That was a lot of fun for me. Good thing nobody listens to us in the Dominican Republic. If they do, I mean, they're more than welcome to tell me how to pronounce these names correctly and to let me yeah, know, like, enough. and to let me know who they fucking root for. I want to learn about the Dominican League because one of the reasons I thought the Dominican League would be fun is that, I mean, the DRs produced some of the most talented baseball players in MLB history. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go through a few. Albert Pujols, David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez, Vlad Guerrero Sr., Adrian Beltre, Manny Ramirez, Juan Marichal, Robinson Cano, Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion, Sammy Sosa, Johnny Cueto, Alfonso Soriano, Bartolo Colon. This list can go on for literally forever. I mean, that's it is why they an sur- extensive list. That's why they survive with only having six teams, because those are six really good teams. Yeah, and there's six you know, teams like that are going to produce top-end talent forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine if all of these people, it, it, it's it's in it's in the blood. I mm-hmm. mean, if, it's just. I actually asked. I remember. I I I, a lot of um the people I hung out with when I was in college were from the DR, and I asked them what they thought about having so many like like you know do you root for specific teams because they have um especially representative 
DR population of their players or anything, and they were like, absolutely. Like, you want to root for whatever. Like They were like, I had, I had people saying, like, I'm a, I'm a diehard Yankees fan, but, like, when I was a kid, I was rooting for the Red Sox whenever Pedro Martinez was playing because that was my guy. Like, it was Pedro. Like, I'm rooting for Pedro to go win the game. So... Uh, it, really strong baseball roots in that country, which I think is fucking righteous because I just love that shit so yeah, no much. <laughs> and so what I found when I was trying to find, like, some of the most dominant players in, like, like um, Dominican professional baseball league history is that a lot of them are just major league players. Like, we all know already. Like, a lot of them are are, are these guys, like, I've already like, brought up. Who doesn't know Albert Pujols? Exactly. You know, Everyone like, does. I'm going to scroll down this list super far. I'm at um I'm at like the 60th uh uh most famous person on this list because they, I guess it ranked it. And I'm still looking at Cattell Marte for shortstop for the the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm like yeah. I know exactly who that is. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, I was just going to say like he is a starter for the Diamondbacks for the past couple of years. He's a good young or, player. Yeah, or Ivan Nova is right here as well. Like, yeah. I, I, he just pitched yesterday. Like, I pitched know who for the this Pirates is for a while. Well, a little while. One season. Yeah, long enough. Yeah, it was, two games one, is a long time. I one season. It was more than, I think it was more than one season. I thought it was, it was one. I think. Was it two? I forget. Uh, it was only one or two because I know, know it was. It went from Yankees to Pirates to. Um, He's now with the White Sox, and I thought it was all in consecutive seasons, but it might have been two years now that you say that. He, he might have was left the with, as a free agent. He was in Pittsburgh for about two and a third seasons, two and a half, two and a third seasons. Oh, because I think he's traded him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember this. That was the same offseason we traded, like, um, Arales Chapman and uh, Andrew Miller. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're the same Man, season. those trades really came back to bite the Yankees. Ugh. Yeah, really terrible getting Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier. Awful. Oh. Awful oh. how that worked out. And then re-signing De- um, Aroldis Chapman. Oh, no. Just drag your nuts across the face of the Chicago Cubs. Hey, they won the World Series. I doubt they care. I mean, it literally could not have worked out any better for them. I know you understand the pettiness of professional sports. I, I do, I do. I just want to make sure it's warranted. Um, uh, yeah, so do you want to move on from this? I had a good time talking about this, but... Oh, yeah, same. I'm ready to move on if you want. All right, because I have been dying to talk about the Ozzy Albies contract. Let's fucking do it. I actually I can, saved some I, shit on my phone just to prep for this. Like shit <laughs> I was reading about it. Okay. Um, so for reference, the Ozzy Albies contract is seven years and thirty-five million dollars. Um, actually, I'm gonna put up the pull up the the spot chart just to make sure we have all the yep. exact details on it. Okay, so it's a seven-year, thirty-five million dollar contract. The 30, thirty-five million dollars is guaranteed. It's an AAV of five million. Uh, he'll earn a base salary this season of one million dollars while carrying a total salary of one million dollars. So it seems very up, very straightforward. Yes. Yeah, so this is this is very very straightforward. Um yeah, this is a terrible 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 contract. Uh he is 22, he has over a full season of service time including making the All-Star game last season and 
this is going to take away um, the last four years of team control that he had, uh, which is all of his ARB years and three years of free agency. And it will take him so that he's a free agent at the age of 31. Or sorry, no, 2029. Is this two club options? Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah, there's a 2026 and a 2027 club option, uh, including a $4 million buyout. So that is, wow, that's bad. not a lot. So I'm just going to read off some information that I got from uh, one of these articles that I was reading, uh, if you want, and then we can go deeper into how we feel about this. How about it? Sounds good. So Albies is due an average of $5 million a year over the next seven seasons. If Albies had played through arbitration, he would have played for $575,000 this season and a modest raise in 2020. So if we're saying it's going to be somewhere like even just a million dollars, which is reasonable for what he would expect, he would have received performance bonuses each of the next three seasons and would have been through arbitration uh, before reaching free agency after 2023. Um, Just as a benchmark, uh, guys who are a little bit older than him, but not at, not all-stars at the caliber of Ozzy Albies. So guys like uh, Cesar Hernandez uh, played has played four full big league seasons, none of which were as productive as Albies in 2018. Um, Hernandez is a solid starting second baseman and has already made $15.4 million just from 2017 to 2019. Yes. Um, if Albies continues to perform at an all-star level, uh, Carlos Correa, for example, which would be kind of like the high end of where he could uh, reasonably end up being, won his first arbitration case for $5 million a year. Guys like Javi Baez settled for 5.2, and Francisco Lindor for $10.5 million. Um, each are also going to get raises each of the next two years before hitting free agency. Um, other guys on the lower end of the spectrum, we could say like uh, Eurixson Profar, um, played 112 games from 2014 to 2017. So very injury riddled. So we're saying if Albies didn't sign and end up being hurt for the most of the next several seasons before arbitration or whatnot, um, made two points. Wow, made two point six million before those uh, four years before hitting free before hitting arbitration, and then he got brought up to three point six million per year in twenty nineteen. So at the very worst, he could be making three point six million per year. At the very worst, at the max, if he hit true superstar level like uh, Francisco Lindor, he could be making ten and a half per year which is such a wild spectrum to think of where he would settle on $5 million. The big thing for me, though, is the rumor regarding why he was pushed into signing this contract so quickly. I think I know this rumor you're talking about. Yeah, let let me hear it. Right. So Albie's agent was reportedly nervous that his client was going to jump ship and head to a better agency, so he pushed the contract through quickly to get the commission before he could switch uh, the Braves were uh, compliant, knowing that he was being heavily unrepresented. 
all of this is just absolutely insane on all fronts. I know, and and I'll I'll say what I was going to say for for just a second because this is so incredibly shitty on just everyone's part. It's it's shitty for Albies because this is so comically, and it's tough because like. It's tough to look at a guy who's going to make $5 million a year for the next seven years and say he's getting fucked. But given the market that we're talking about, given the sport we're talking about, the profession and, you know, the economics surrounding the whole scenario, he's getting fucked. The fact that his agent did this to him is fucked. The fact that the Braves would do this to him is fucked fucked the fact that the mlbpa didn't do anything about it is fucked like this whole situation is insane like the, to me personally this goes well beyond just being a bad contract because this is awful this is so bad um from a value standpoint i i don't that's the thing i i, I it it, it Obviously, he's worth more than this. He's obviously... His one season last year, if you go back and listen to our, our um, wins above replacement episode in terms of buying wins above replacement, we said that a one win above replacement was worth roughly $10 million. His season last year is worth more than the entire value of this contract extension. He was like a 4.1 wins above replacement player last season, and at $10 million per war... That's $40 million. That's more than this fucking extension for the entirety of the seven years. That's crazy. That's absolute insane. And that's why I was, everyone's, like, he really got fucked because he got railed. He got absolutely railed. The Braves just got hundreds, hundreds of millions of excess uh, value out of this guy. It's insane. So I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Right. Um, die, can, do you want to dive into the stuff you were saying about the Braves side of this um, on how this is status so I th- quo for I, them? Well, it, it, I don't want to say uh, it's tough. All right, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me reiterate what I was saying before so it is, there's a context for it. I'm of the opinion that this is, that this is abuse. Like, I think that they're taking advantage of the kid. I really do. I think that they are taking advantage of a Latino player from a small, relatively poor country. They dangled $35 million in front of his face and said, look at this, you fucking broke sack of shit. You can pay for your family's whole entire lives forever. They're not wrong about that. They're absolutely not wrong about that. But they're emotionally... If I'm willing to bet they did that because that's how arbitration works too. Um, and I'm willing to bet that they sat there and emotionally tried to convince this kid that it would be wrong of him to not set his family up for life by taking $35 million rather than try to pay him a fair wage. And Corden and I, I don't want to say argued because that seems way too harsh, but we talked about this a little bit. And one of the things that I brought up is that the fact that the Braves have a very poor, very recent track record with Hispanic players because they tried signing, they did sign several underage players to contracts to try to skirt like the international signing pool 
um, and skirt MLB and labor laws by signing 14-year-old players to contracts, thus causing them to lose like a lot of their Hispanic players to other teams. There was like a special draft where MLB teams could just take Braves prospects um, that were of age and then sent all the other prospects that were signed illegally back into the pool to get signed when they became of age because the Braves really, really broke the law. So they're not exactly an organization known for, like, giving a shit, which I'm not going to say is a specifically Braves issue. You could say that they're just the one that got caught, but they're the one that got caught, and that's a really fucking bad look. Um, it's also terrible for the man- for the um, Ozzy Albies, like, manager or um, agent, I should say, but, like, wow, for the Braves. This is... I really think they took advantage of this kid. This kid... It's amazing how, from a business perspective and a baseball perspective, how well the Braves were able to lock up the future of their superstars at such a just penny-pinching, just absolutely bottom-of-the-basket rate. They locked up 19 years of Ronald Acuna and 19 years of combined Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies for $145 million this year. 135, sorry. I know. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly wonder if this is going to hurt them down the road in terms of being able to sign other players. Because players do look at this. Players right. really do. Like, not only veterans, but also players that um, get drafted by these teams. They really do look at how the organization treats young talent and veterans to make decisions as to whether or not they want to play for that organization. And I really wonder how this is going to affect. Eloy Jimenez, no, no, Yoan Makata. Yoan Makata got paid $30 million by the Red Sox before he even hit triple fucking A. And Ozzy Albies, with an all-star appearance under his belt, got $5 million more than that. I mean, let's look at uh, the Scott Kingery contract from last year. Um, Before he even made his MLB debut, he signs a six-year contract worth... Uh, let's see, a six-year, $24 million contract, which uh, two options that could make the deal worth $65 million. For a kid that never played a single at-bat in the MLB and ended up putting up a completely underwhelming first season, getting just slightly less than a guy who is an actual MLB all-star. How much do you think Anthony Rendon made over his four arbitration seasons? Do you have it in front of you? I do. I do. Okay. Um, Anthony Rendon, four arbitration seasons. I'm going to say it's got to be like $30 million. $35 million. $35. The exact amount this extension is, and he's losing free agent seasons. So Rendon made this money in four years without having to sacrifice any of his free agency. And Ozzy Albies just signed this shit away. And Rendon's going to be a coveted free agent, which you know what that's going to do? If he wants to sign an extension with the Nationals, it's going to drive the price of that extension up. Yeah. So looking at this and looking at all the free agency signings that, well, not free agency, but extension signings that players have signed this year, everyone seems to be signing longer-term contracts 
for lower AAV. Ozzy Albies is just the pinnacle of this. Do you think players are overvaluing the desire to lock up money long term and kind of avoid the stress of having to perform year after year, worry about injuries, stuff like that, in order to get this big free agent contract, uh, in order to sign for some money and get that small guarantee? It's tough for I think it's tough to pick a one specific reason. I think it's been a culture that's been created by the last CBA negotiation. So I think there's a few things like the fact that the next CBA is coming up in three seasons. So it's like let's get money now and let's be secure through that no matter what happens. Like I don't want to get fucked if there's a strike. Like they still got to pay me. Um, so there's I think that comes into play. I think the fact that there's been more free agents left hanging. Every season, every offseason, that, that's got people hanging. The fact that there's uh, less, like, I'll say middle-class contracts out there, seemingly, has right. that has people, like, kind of uh, teetering on the edge a little bit. So I think it's been this whole culture that the MLB Players Association has allowed to happen has been making this sense of fear and getting what you can get while you can get it come about. Um. Yeah, because I think I think teams are 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 probably going into a lot of these meetings saying, "Do you want to end up like Dallas Keuchel? Do you want to end up like Craig Kimbrell? Do you want to end up like uh, uh, Mike Mustakis? You know, no, you don't. So we can what we can do is we can offer you this much money right now. You can walk away from it with with enough money to set up you and your family for life, even if you never get a free agent contract, or you can uh." Risk uh, arbitration. See if you get hurt. See if you don't. You know. So I'm. It's it. That's why it's so shitty because it's the players have no 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 cards to hold in this situation outside of an upcoming strike right. because the the teams make the rules. The teams decide what the market is. The teams decide what the contracts are going to be. The teams decide what the extensions are. And all players can do. Players used to be able to say. I don't want to sign this extension. I'm going to want I want to hit free agency and find my true market value. But now they don't want to do that because teams decided that they don't want to spend on free agency. So now they're deciding a new market value. The players have almost no effect over. So it's it's this bizarre backwards world where every single card in the deck is held by the teams except for actually playing the game, which would be a strike for the players, which they'll probably end up happening in the next CBA in a few years because this is just this is just bad so how convinced are you that there's going to be a strike at the next CBA negotiations 100 percent 100 because one of the things is that I think strikes don't happen is that vet players have so much pull and usually veteran players will um I don't want to say fuck over the younger players but they'll usually take um, agreements that will be more fortuitous for veteran players in the interim than they will for younger players in the run- interim because they're like, we've already been younger players. So, like, fuck it. Six years of control? Who gives a shit? I'm done with that. My service exactly. time's finished. I'm a free agent. But what we're seeing now is that veteran players are feeling the effects and are, I think are in general more sympathetic to what's been going on with, like, service time manipulation, whether they've gone through it themselves like Chris uh, Chris Bryant did or whether they haven't, like what we're seeing with a lot of players on, like, 
the Blue Jays wanting to have Vlad up um, or what have you, or um, Twins players wanting to have Buxton up, whatever. We're seeing a lot of vet players no longer wanting to see young players get fucked over, so they'll have that backing from every side of this issue coming together and probably saying, give me the strike. Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer came forward yeah. this season with the Padres and were like, hey, we don't care what it's going to cost. We need Fernando Tatis Jr. on this team to start the season. Apparently, some of the White Sox players did the same thing with Eloy Jimenez. They were like, mm-hmm. we want Eloy Jimenez. And look at the Padres now. They have rookies uh, Luis Urias, um, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Chris Paddock, and somewhat Matt Strom all starting. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it should be. That's what you think. And look at the Mets. Like, Pete Alonso has been phenomenal for them, and I take back everything mm-hmm. I ever said. Like, they made the absolute right decision by bringing him up. Um, business side of it, fucking be damned. I, I yeah, I just I just don't see how players are possibly going to want to give concessions um, in the next CBA because they just they've been so dicked by these things. One of the other things that makes me kind of upset about this, and I, I want to know what you think about it. So Yasmani Grandal, okay. right? He took um he took a one year deal, right, with the Brewers. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm just oh, gonna yeah. pull it up. Oh yeah, you, you go ahead. You're faster than me anyway. All right, here we go. So his current deal is a one-year, $18.25 million contract um, with a one-year option in 2020. Right, all right. Then then that's what I was thinking. So one of the reasons that he gave for holding out and not taking, I think the rumor was a four-year, $60 million deal with the Mets was that one of he th- what he in his mind one of the responsibilities of players is to advance the contract size to help out other players who are coming to up um, on their new contracts and so he didn't want to take a 15 million dollar AAV because he believed that as a premier catcher one of his jobs was to increase the AAV over time so that other premier catchers who hit free agency have a basis to argue for why they should get more money going forward. So that teams can't point and be like, well, Yasmani Grandal, who's the best free agency catcher last season, took only 15 a season. You think you're better than Grandal? So he was like, I want to take a higher AAV, not, not just for myself, which I'm sure there's a selfish reason to it as well. I mean... It's money. You take it when you can get it, especially as an athlete. But that's one of the things that he felt was important. I'm willing to believe that because of how MLB players treat these issues. And I'm willing to bet you right now, Corwin, there's a fuck ton of very angry second basemen. Very angry second basemen with Ozzy Albies who just no doubt. screwed them. Tanked the market. Tanked the market. Especially Absolutely since he's not just... Out. He's not just a good starting second baseman. He is an all-star second baseman. He he's so young. fucked them. He fucked his entire position. Usually youth comes at a um, premium. premium. And like from every single angle you look at it, this is a horrible deal. Mm-hmm. And... I, and- it's tough just, to even st- figure out where to start, right? Because yeah. like, like, 
where does where does the market bounce back from this? Like who there's really nobody who's gonna sign such a major contract that'll reset it the way this did. Usually when we talk about resetting the market, it's with like a major QB deal or something like that. Like something oh, that sure. moves the market up. This brings Carry price so far extension back. in hockey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think the strike's going to have to come up because it's going to have to do like a factory reset of fucking prices because mm-hmm. this is just nonsense. And as much as I'm as I'm so mad about like the whole fucking up the second base market for Ozzy Albies, it's not his it's his fault and it's not his fault because I feel so bad for the kid. He's 22. He's a kid. I am older than him. And how do you look at someone and say you should have said no to $35 million. Someone from a poor country that has a population less than the DR that we already talked about and say you shouldn't take that to set up your family for life because there's greater implications to that. That's really tough. Mm -hmm. And that's part of an agent's job to let him know you don't do that and hold out. There's something upcoming. We'll work on a better one. Give me some time. I've got your back. And he fucked it up. It's part of the Braves as an organization to say... We're going to give you what you deserve, not just what we want to pay you, but what we think you truly deserve, like the Angels did for Mike Trout. And they fucked that up. And it's just such a failure all around. And there's so many things to be mad about. The one thing I I just don't think you can be mad is that Ozzy Albies got put in such a shitty position. I feel so bad for him that he ended up making just the worst decision he could possibly make. But I understand how he got there, and that's what makes me so fucking sad about it. It's not like he just didn't fucking know. I mean, he made what he thought was an informed, emotional, and rational decision, and because he just got fucking lied to, straight up lied to, or at least oversold, to be more gentle. Right. You have anything else? Any final comments on this Ozzy Albies and MLB contract debate? It just makes me sad, man. It makes me like real world sad. I feel so bad for these kids. I really do. It's it's a it's a tough, tricky, treacherous world out there right now for for player contracts. In an attempt to try and lighten the mood, I feel like we need to talk about something extremely important that happened today. What was it? Tiger Woods winning the Masters tournament. I know! That was amazing! His first win, his first major win since June 16th, 2008, 11 years ago at the U.S. Open. His first serious major win, not major win, but like first big time win since 2013 when he won the Players' Championship. This is so fucking huge. I saw someone I say that so like this excited. is the equivalent of getting the 2005 White Sox back together and then having that team win the World Series. Yeah. I mean, this Honestly, is a big kinda. fucking deal. Especially as like a guy Honestly, like I think it's so much bigger than that though. Well, just just from like a um I think a, a an age and performance standpoint. I agree it's definitely definitely Tiger Woods winning is definitely bigger. For sure. From like an emotional comeback standpoint. Especially because so like, I don't remember Prime, one... Prime Tiger. Do you remember? I, I mean, I think we were just too young for like Prime Tiger. I remember Tiger. the tail end of Prime Tiger. Yeah, same. Same. That's a good way of putting it. 
so like I probably my dad and I have always kind of watched golf in the summer especially when I was you know in middle school and high school when I come home on a weekend or I come home on the weekends you know every week I don't have school so I could just sit around and watch TV I'd watch these tournaments Thursday Friday and then when my dad was home on Sunday after we would do like yard work and stuff we'd sit around watch some golf together and we'd always be there rooting for like uh, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, VJ Singh, just like the last of like the major winners from back in the day. And it was just, it was like watching Michael Jordan or like Wayne Gretzky. Like this guy was just so much better than everyone else. And like a game like golf where any one player can just shoot a, a fantastic round on any given day. And you don't expect the best guy to always be the one winning. It was wild. He was in contention in every tournament. It was such a surprise if he ever didn't make a cut or, you know, wasn't in the top five at the end of the tournament or the championship, whatever it was. Not having him win for so long made golf a worse sport, and I feel like this is going to bring so many people back to it. I mean, it's kind of got me interested in it for, like, the first time because like, I never I never had anyone that really brought me into golf i mean the three sports i follow were three sports because i had people who got me involved in them to some capacity but i remember so much fucking hype for for tiger when i was like in like middle school and early high school like people loved tiger he was what he was literally the only golfer i could name that was well before i knew who the fuck phil mickelson was or anybody else like i only knew who the fuck tiger woods was because he was just revered so i think the fun part of this for me was just even if you don't know golf or golfers or don't like the sport just the story of this just the sheer fucking mm-hmm. story of this i mean this is the end of a lifetime movie like this is this is going to be the 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 final the conclusion of his eventual documentary or biopic mm-hmm. where after he like sinks oh, the shot right. and like raises his fist and does the fist pump and then shouts to the crowd and shit it's going to fade to black and it's going to be like and tiger woods lived for like 40 more years before dying in his home peacefully and like like this is like the last scene of the movie uh what a dark turn that took yeah i mean everything has to come to an end eventually but this was like i i genuinely enjoyed following like uh, in the low-key way i did because i i I have a life i I didn't have the chance to watch the tournament i did kind of like check in here and there to see where he was at just because i was so Mm -hmm. fucking excited for him it's just such a cool thing to happen so like we went out all of us went out for brunch this morning uh, before everybody left, which we'll talk about later. Um, and we tried to make sure we got back early just so we were able to watch the last like six or seven holes, pretty much the back nine of the Masters, just to see if Tiger could pull it off. And people who hadn't didn't have a care in the world about golf were all sitting there just like hands covering their face, trying you know to cover their eyes if something bad happened, rooting for Tiger to succeed just wanting to see Tiger win another major, especially the Masters, you know? I think that just goes to show you the the, the value of a good fucking storyline in sports. I mean, I Mm -hmm. had people watching the World Series in 2016 when the Cubs won who didn't Mm -hmm. give a single flying fuck about baseball. Not a flying fuck. 
And it was just such a great story because either one of these two teams, a team that hadn't won it in over 70 years and a team that hadn't won in 108 years, were going up against each other to try to figure out who's going to break their streak the longest. It was a big fucking deal. It was a big fucking deal. Bill Murray cried. Bill, Bill Murray did cry. God, I love Bill Murray. I love Bill get him Murray. on. Yeah, totally. I'll hit him up. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a really cool moment for um for Tiger, and I, I'm glad that we got to see it. If nothing else comes of his career for the remainder of it, this will be a defining moment for the sport of golf, let alone Tiger Woods. I can't wait to watch him at the rest of the majors this year. Anything else you want to uh, talk about regarding this or any other sports going on today? Uh. Well, the only other thing I wanted to bring up is I went to my first Yankees game of the season on Friday. Nice, um, nice. Yanks, White Sox. They they did lose in seven innings because of the rain out. Uh, I had a fantastic time at the game, though. I ended up buying very cheap seats uh, just to go with me and my brother. <laughs> Combined How'd with, that work out? with fees, I paid $12 for both tickets. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, every season I get an How'd email... Um, hold on. Every season I get an email okay, saying, like, okay, okay. pitchers and catchers have reported. Why don't you buy tickets for, like, no money? And every year I go, like, yeah, these tickets cost nothing. I'll buy two shitty-ass seats and go. So you sit in, like, the grandstands mm. or whatever, like, watching an early season baseball game and hang out. It's a good time. So my brother and I are sitting there. I got my scorecard out. I'm filling in all the names and shit, you know. And this woman comes up to us like wearing like a Yankee Stadium badge and holding like a bunch of papers and was like, uh, hey, how you how you two doing today? And we're like, good. And she was like, uh, is it just the two of you? I'm like, yeah. She goes, all right, well, uh, you guys just got upgraded. So um, why don't you come with me? I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Excuse me? And she was like, uh, yeah, yeah, let's go. So then she takes us down out of the, the, the grandstands, we go over to the elevator, we go down all the way to the first floor, she starts walking us into the grand concourse, and then she pulls us off to the side, and she's like, yeah, I just need you, here's two tickets, you're going to be in section 128, which is like right past third base, um, you just need to sign this little waiver, and uh, and then yeah, you're good. And we're like, what the fuck is this? So I'm freaking out to my brother because I never win anything. I feel like I'm the least lucky person. I had a conversation with Ethan once where I was convinced that this shit was fake. That they just point the camera at people who were sitting in that seat to begin with and said, act like we moved you here. Because I didn't think this shit actually went down. And I go, do you know how expensive those seats are that I sat in? I don't want to know. I do want to know. How, I think, how I believe... Because I, I, I check on prices all over the stadium every now and then. I believe the section we sat in 128 is like 160 a ticket, 180 a ticket before the fees. Not too shabby. Before the fees. So, like, that shit was like, I spent $12 to get us $400 tickets. I, I, was, I, I, had, a great, I had a great fucking time. I had a great, we sat um, right behind a group of White Sox fans who were righteous dudes really really cool guys and i sat we sat right in front of uh a yankees fan and his girlfriend and i hated him so fucking much i hated it he was full of shit full of shit so he was younger than me i could tell just by the way he talked and his face younger than me right (laughs) you know who he said his favorite yankee was growing up who tino martinez that's bullshit 
Absolute bullshit. You don't remember Tino Martinez. I don't remember Tino Martinez. I don't know who that is. He was the Yankees' first baseman um, for a few of the championship seasons. He played for the Yankees from um, 2001, sorry, 1996 to 2001. So he retired. He left the Yankees for the Cardinals. I just had the page up. Yeah, when I was seven. And, like, there's no, like, this dude was, if he was older than me, dude, it was barely, barely, right? And this is what really pissed me off about it. And this is how I knew he was full of shit. Because uh, during the course of the game, the Jumbotron asked some kind of question, and the answer was Chuck Knobloch, right? Do you know who Chuck yeah. Knobloch is? No. He was the Yankees' second baseman. <laughs> At, like, the same okay. time Tina Martinez was there. He was most known for having the yips. Um, he, he just, like, could not throw the ball to second base. He was, like, the poster child for infielder yips. Like, second baseman, the throw to first is, is the shortest. The ball? Yeah, he just, he just airmailed it. He just couldn't fucking throw to first base. He just could not do it. He was in his head oh. about it. He couldn't so do it. So he was it. John Lester? Um, no, he was worse because, John, at least a pickoff move is complicated. Like, imagine how small of a distance first base to second baseman is it's not far right it's less than that distance and it's a throw you're gonna have to make many times per game and he couldn't do it but anyway the answer was chuck knoblock this guy had no idea who chuck knoblock was he played ball 25 feet from dino martinez he had no idea he was like who the fuck is chuck knoblock i'm like you could go Fuck your own face. You're trying to sound cool next to this girl who does not know baseball. This girlfriend didn't... And that's fine. But stop trying to act like you can impress her by mentioning a vintage Yankees player that you don't fucking remember. Trying to act cool to a woman who didn't know who he was two minutes before this conversation. God. And then you're going to act like you don't know who Chuck the fuck Knobloch is, who's way more famous than Tino Martinez is, for having this major issue. I was furious. Josh? Yes. I love you. Your <laughs> pettiness never ceases to fucking amaze me. It's unbelievable. Who gives a fucking shit who this guy says his favorite baseball player was when he was growing up? Because he lied. He lied to sound cool. How do you know he lied? Because then how, how do does he not he know who Chuck Knobloch is? How do you know Dino Martinez and not know Chuck Knobloch? They played on the same fucking team 30 feet apart. When I was growing up, Paul Puzlesny was my all-time favorite player. I don't know who the fucking starting nose tackle was who played in front of him that set him but up for all the tackles. But football has over 22 starting players on it on a 53-man roster. I don't know. If you ask me who the, who the starting like, right guard for the Jets is, I have no idea who that is right now. Give me a few games into the season and I might figure it out. It's baseball. The lineups happen every day. Every day you get to see these guys' names. So when names. you're a little kid, you you don't care who like the starting lineups are every day. You have your player that you focus on every single day. No, but I'm day saying, but I'm saying, player. you wouldn't not know who it is. You would not. You wouldn't be like, who the fuck is Chuck Knobloch? Maybe to go like, oh wow, I haven't thought about Chuck Knobloch in forever. Like that's how I feel about um, Scott Brocious. Like I I. Never remember who's, that, that Scott Brocious was third baseman for the Yankees until I, I think about. That oh, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me, not you. All I remember him from is like uh, recording the last out of David Cohn's perfect game and having like a ridiculous postseason run 
in either 98 or 99. I forget which one it was. But, like, I know who he was because you see the lineups all the time. The fact that you could sit there and say, I know who Tino Martinez is. He's my favorite player. And on a nine-man batting lineup in a in a nine-man infield, I've never seen the name of the man who plays directly next to him. In baseball, that's ludicrous. In baseball, not any other sport, that's ludicrous. Absolutely okay. ludicrous. You make some sense. Not a lot, but some sense. On a scale from Joe No, that Joe makes Klecko. all the sense in the world. Okay. On a scale from Joe Klecko to Adolf Hitler, how much do you hate this kid? Um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll go with um, Heinz Ward. That gives me, that gives me no insight at all. I have yeah, because no it's idea. a stupid like, fucking question. <laughs> all right, you fucking, I lobbed myself up like a softball and you smacked me out of the park on that one. Yeah, I know. Touche, good sir. Yeah, and anyway, so, but I had a great time at that game. It was really cool. I got it drenched so cool. by rain, but it was awesome. Really? Yeah, oh, dude, oh, we got sucks. covered. Honestly, it um, kind of made the whole game way more dramatic, and I kind of enjoyed it at parts. I did not enjoy the whole car ride back, but um, I I did kind of every now and then it was pretty cool, and I got to see Eloy Jimenez's first major league career home run in person. Cool. It was yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, that's I, like a, if he turns out, that'll be such a memorable moment. Uh, yeah, I like despite the fact that Yank look, man, baseball teams are going to lose all the time. I'm cool with going to Yankees losses, even though I paid to get in or whatever. Like, they're going to lose a bunch of games. I had a good fucking time. Right. Like, that's how I feel about, like, a big difference between, like, football and baseball. Like, I've gone to, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of football games over the years. It sucks when they lose, but it's because that's, like, losing 10% of their games in a season or something like that. I've been to, you know several many handfuls of baseball games through the years at the end of the day unless it's a really tough close loss 161 more games to play why not yeah that's just gonna be the way have a good time at the park oh, you know that's, that's why the i like only reason to go that's why i like keeping score just enjoy the enjoy the day have fun it's baseball you can't be upset watching baseball no no you gotta you gotta, you gotta just just enjoy your time at the ballpark that's really mm-hmm. all there is to it. Don't force it. But uh but the fucking best. I know it is, baby. You don't gotta tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, that's all I got. I'm 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 good otherwise. I mean, I spent all of yesterday doing my own thing, uh, at the Penn State football spring game. Uh, which is basically just an excuse to sit around and drink and tailgate all day in the middle of April instead of middle of October. Um the first team offense beat the first team defense. That's really the only thing that matters. That's actually interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. They used to have it where it was like the first team offense and defense versus the second team offense and defense. And it was a shit show and it was absolutely horrible to watch. This wasn't too bad. I mean, it's a spring game, so it's literally just like watching practice, but yeah, I mean, the, it's more the, about the tailgating and having fun in the sun than it is. The Jets do one else. of those every, every year in like August. That's yeah. like a fan event. Like, hey, and it's free. Like, it's like, hey, come out. We'll have like Jets themed games before the practice scrimmage, and then there'll be the the scrimmage and just come. They have it at like Rutgers um, Stadium. Yeah, they're fuck those 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 events are fucking great. I love those things. 
Oh, yeah. The team you like, and you do dumb team-adjacent stuff beforehand, like uh, drinking or whatever. It's great. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. It's like baseball. It's just there to have fun. If only life was more like baseball. <laughs> the world would be a better place. <laughs> You're not wrong, sir. You are not wrong. Yeah, I know it. All right, let's get Anything out of here. Anything else you want to touch on? All nah, right, let's finish it up. All right, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pods, Juicing P-O-D. If you want to uh, reach us at uh, via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.Wixsite.com slash website. JuicingTheNumbers.Wixsite.com slash website. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.